up here in verse number 4. We uh, looked at 2 Peter uh, chapter 2 last week. Uh, we spoke about false prophets and the warning concerning false prophets. Uh, I want to begin here at verse number 4. And the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for the righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Now, I want you to skip down to verse number 21. And in verse number 21, he speaks of these that have departed from the things of God. He said, It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Uh, a pig has a pig heart. And a lamb has a lamb heart, and that becomes very evident as we go through uh, this particular uh, section of Scripture. I want you to, to join me here tonight. Let's go to the Lord in, in prayer, and uh, you ask the Lord for His way here, as always. And let's take some time just to yield our hearts to Him. And, you know, every time that we come together and we open up the Word of God, we need to hear from the Lord. And uh, don't take lightly the, the privilege of, of uh, standing in the pulpit and opening up the Word of God, and, uh, and God is, is good. I'm grateful for His Word. And the more I read and study the Word of God, the more I love and appreciate the Bible. Father, I thank You tonight. Uh, you've already been so good to us, and we've been blessed. And uh, just uh, singing these, uh, these hymns tonight, and uh, our hearts have been drawn to You. And now we've opened up the Word of God. And, and Lord, thank You for the Bible that You've given to us. And thank You that Your Bible ministers to us at every point, at every need. Lord, you know the hearts here tonight, you know the needs tonight, and I, I pray that you would minister, uh, that you'd be glorified, God, that you'd speak and be exalted, and God, guide and direct. Uh, there are some directions, I, I just need specific uh, uh, guidance here tonight and what to uh, put in, what to leave out, and uh, Lord, would you direct my paths here this evening, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated here this evening. And I want to want to look at a at a thought here tonight, and as uh, we we look here in the scripture, is is God knows those that are His, and the Bible says not only does He know them, but He delivers them. Uh, in this section of scripture, God makes it very clear that there is a difference between the sheep, and that's uh, those that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's a difference between the sheep and between the dogs and the wolves and the sow that is returned again to his vomit. Now, I grew up on a, on a pig farm, and uh, pigs are pigs. Uh, I had the opportunity to show pigs in the state fair 
uh, here in Albuquerque in New Mexico, just as a little boy. And I remember uh, one particular experience. Uh, we, we would take these pigs and we would prepare them for the, uh, for the showtime. And uh, we would take some clippers and we would clip their hair and we would uh, make their tail look nice and pretty. And uh, we would trim off all of the uh, hair that was growing in the wrong direction. And we would wash the pigs up and uh, the darker pigs, we would put some mineral oil on them. We would make them shine and uh, get those pigs all ready for the showtime. I remember one particular occasion I had prepared my pig for the showtime. And the time came for that particular class of pig to go out into the show ring. And so we opened up the, the gate, the pen, and began to drive that pig toward the show ring. And that pig had a different concept. And there was a mud puddle that was back behind me. And for some reason, that pig made its way between my legs. And I got caught on that pig, and he carried me to that mud puddle. And he dropped me in that mud puddle, and he got muddy, and I got muddy. And we went into the show ring, a muddy mess. And uh, that was a pig. A pig is a pig, and you can't change a pig heart, and a lamb is a lamb, and the Bible's very clear about this. Now, I want to go back and just look at the context in Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse number 1, uh, the warning here about the false prophets. We dealt with this last week, and he said, There were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you. Uh, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. That was the warning. And then he says, Many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. It was not long after the ascension of Christ into heaven, even false doctrine begins to enter. Uh, there were those that began to deny the deity of Jesus Christ. There were the uh, Judaizers, the concision, that began to preach a salvation by works, or they began to add to the grace of God, uh, circumcision and the works of the law. And they said that Jesus alone was not enough, but uh, you had to also follow the law of the Old Testament. And so those were false doctrines that began to end or enter. And here Peter is warning about these false teachers, these false prophets that would enter in among them. Uh, he says in verse 3, Through covetousness shall they make with feigned words, uh, make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, their damnation slumbereth not. Now they can be very slick, uh, very deceptive. They might be knowledgeable of some of the word of God. They might be very good speakers, very personable. They may have great personalities. Uh, but you're to compare every teaching to the word of God. And the Bible says they would bring in damnable heresies. Uh, this morning we read uh, where Jesus Christ put it this way in Matthew chapter 17 or 7 verse number 15. He says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. But he says, inwardly they are ravening wolves. Uh, he said, outwardly they might look like sheep, they might talk like sheep, they might dress like sheep, they may claim to be sheep. But he says, inwardly, they're ravening wolves. There's never been a change of heart. They don't have the heart of a sheep. They have a wolf heart. Uh, they've simply put on the wool on the outside, and they have been very deceptive to many people. Now, here is kind of the thought as we're moving through this particular section of Scripture. You know, at times, it's hard to discern the difference between the sheep and the wolves. In fact, sometimes from our perspective, we don't see that. 
We're going to look at a couple of thoughts in this tonight. I was remembering I had the opportunity to preach uh, several times a home missions conference in, in Salt Lake City, uh, Utah, and, and I had my wife uh, with me on one of those occasions. And after the, after the meeting, before we traveled back home, uh, we went to visit the Mormon Tabernacle uh, there in Salt Lake City. And I, I can remember I, I was brokenhearted uh, just to see uh, really the wealth uh, of, of all of the facilities there, but knowing it's a false Jesus, it's a false doctrine. And while we were there, uh, we went into a particular facility and, and there were many uh, college-age uh, young ladies. Uh, they were very friendly. Uh, they were dressed modestly. I thought to myself at the time, uh, we could bring these girls into an independent Baptist church. And most uh, people would look at them and think, well, they're godly girls, they're saved. But they have a wrong doctrine. They have a wrong Jesus. They have not the gospel of salvation. And they're without the saving grace, without saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we can't see the heart. We don't know the heart of any individual. You can't see my heart. And I can't see your heart. We don't know in reality who is saved and who is lost from our perspective. Now, of course, we can see some things, and Jesus said, by their, their fruits ye shall know them. And I believe the tree of every individual is corrupted because we're all sinners, and the only thing that can change that tree is a born-again relationship with Jesus Christ. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Salvation changes a heart, and it's a relationship, a new birth in Jesus Christ that uh, really prepares us for heaven. As we look here at 2 Peter, Peter talked about the godly, uh, who were the sheep, they're the saved, and he talked here in this chapter about the dogs. He talked about those that would return to the vomit, about the sows that would go back to the mire uh, because they were lost, and they might for a time... Uh, be cleaned up, you can take a, a pig and you can wash that pig up and you can put a bow tie upon that pig and you can bring that pig into the house, uh, but you open the front door of the house and that pig is going to make its way to the mud puddle uh, because pigs like the mud. And what we find is the heart of a lost person will tend in the direction of sin and you'll find that a sheep heart, a sheep are just the opposite, they do not like the mud and uh, uh, a lamb might find its way in the mud for a time, but ultimately that, that lamb despises the mud, and that lamb wants the, the, clean, uh, the clean pen, the clean, uh, not, not the mud puddle, not the mire, as does the sow. And uh, the only thing that can make a sheep heart is a born-again relationship with Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the one uh, that takes the pig heart and makes the pig heart into a sheep heart. Now, there are only two kinds of people. There are the saved and there are the lost. And the saved in the Bible are known as sheep. They've got the sheep heart. The lost are known as the dogs, the sows. Uh, they have a lost heart. And sheep and pigs are opposite in so many different capacities, many different directions. Now, I'm going to take that thought. That's my introduction tonight. And with that introduction, I'm going to look at three simple thoughts out of 2 Peter chapter number 2. And the first thought is, is this, God knows those that are His. 
Uh, God sees the heart. In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, Jesus said, and they follow me. So a true child of God hears the voice of God, hears the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. A true child of God possesses the Spirit of God. He's been born of the Spirit. Jesus said, Of his sheep I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. I believe in eternal security. I believe that once an individual is truly born again, that they will never perish, that the Lord keeps them. I don't believe a saved person can live in sin and get by with it. I believe that God deals with his sheep as he does a child, and he disciplines his sheep, he spanks his sheep, and he will not allow his sheep out of his will. He calls his sheep, he, he speaks to them. He said, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Uh, Paul the Apostle said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And so the fact is tonight, God knows those that are His. Now we cannot always discern that. Uh, sometimes wolves can look like sheep. Sometimes wolves can put on sheep clothing. Uh, Jesus told the parable of the wheat and the tares. Uh, the wheat and the tares look very similar until it comes fruit producing time. In the early stages, it's almost impossible to discern between the wheat and the tares. It's not until the wheat begins to produce the fruit that it is revealed as the wheat, as the good grain. And he says, the enemy soweth the tares. And so Satan is busy about sowing uh, the false uh, profession, the false doctrine, uh, false hopes, and Satan is busy about that. Now, we find that sometimes wolves can look like sheep, but here's the other part of the confusion. Sometimes sheep may not appear to be saved. And I want you to look in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 7. Now, this is an interesting thought. The Bible says, He delivered, notice this, just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man, isn't that amazing, dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now when you study the life of Lot, Lot made some bad choices. Lot in Genesis 13 left Abraham, he left Bethel which was a picture of the house of God and he lifted up his eyes and he beheld the plain of Sodom that it was well watered like the land of Egypt. And the Bible says of Lot, this bad choice, he made a business decision and he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And then we find in Genesis chapter 14 that he's actually 
dwelling in the city of Sodom, but the Bible said that the men of Sodom were wicked before the Lord. And here we have this saved man. Now we might look at Lot and it might be hard for us to discern for a time that Lot was truly a saved person. In fact, if you look at the life of Lot, he didn't look too saved at times. He looked like a dirty sheep. See, Lot in Sodom soon found his way in Genesis 19. He's sitting in the gate. That means he's a leader in the city. He's a ruler there in that city. And here is Lot. He lost his testimony. He lost his family. From a human perspective, uh, did not look like he was a child of God. But notice how the Lord describes Lot. In, in verse number 7, did you see this? He delivered just Lot. I believe here this is evidence that by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Lot was just because he was saved. He had heard the gospel. He placed his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. His uncle Abraham had made an impact, and Lot had heard of Jesus. Now, when God looks at a saved person, what does he see? He sees Jesus. Isn't that a blessing? He sees Jesus. Uh, I am in Christ. Uh, I'm not saved because I earned it or I deserved it, and I haven't always looked it. But I'm so thankful that when the Lord sees me, he doesn't see me, but he sees the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that has been shed on my behalf. Now, do you notice also in verse number 7 of Lot that he vexed, he was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. That, that word vexed, it, it means provoked, it means irritated, it means troubled, agitated, afflicted. Do you understand though, Lot was in Sodom, Lot did not fit in Sodom. He was a sheep. Sodom was the mire. It was the pig pen. He's not a pig. He's a sheep. He's saved. And I think the testimony here is that a saved person can't live in the world. He can't live and sin and not be vexed by it. You see, it vexed his heart. He was broken in heart in the city of Sodom. Sheep don't like the mud. Do you see what the Bible described of Lot in verse number 8? For that righteous man, and again, the righteousness of Lot was not his own personal righteousness, but it was the righteousness of Jesus Christ that had been accounted or placed to his account, imputed to his account. And that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, and here's that word again, vexed, his righteous soul, he's troubled by the things that he's seeing. He vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Again, sheep don't like the mud. I want you to go to the book of 1 John, just a moment. We're coming back to 2 Peter. I like to call 1 John the book of no-so salvation. You can know that you know that you know that you know that you're saved. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
uh, 1 John 5, verse number 13. I want you to look in 1 John chapter 2. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15, he's speaking of saved people. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. He said, little children, it is the last time. Now go to chapter 3 and verse number 6. Chapter 3 and verse number 6. And it reads, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. The devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, uh, that confused me for a long time, because in 1 John chapter 1, verse number 8, the Bible says, If we say that we sin not, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And then he goes on again in verse number 10, he expresses the same thought. And then in verse number 9 of chapter 1, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now here we read, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin because he is born of God. Here is, I believe, what God is expressing. I don't believe a truly saved person can live in habitual sin and get by with it. A truly saved person cannot be comfortable over a long term of time living and dwelling in sin. You see, there's a conviction that God brings to somebody who truly knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I was speaking to a preacher here just a couple of weeks ago, and he, he, said, he said, Preacher, does God ever chasten you? And I said, yes, he sure does. And he says, wow. He said, I, I, I just went through some discipline. And he said, I'm so thankful for it because it's just a reminder that I can't live in sin and get by with it. I'm thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ disciplines in my life. It was a powerful, wonderful testimony. I want you to go to 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 4. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4. It reads, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Now here's my first thought tonight, is that God knows those that are His. He knows His children. That may be a little hard for us to discern at times, but God knows those that belong to Him. Now the second thought, go back with me to 2 Peter. Not only does God know His children, but God delivers those that are His. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9, we read, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Now he gives a couple of illustrations here in this passage of Scripture. He gives us the illustration, first of all, of Noah. You go back to verse number 5. And we know the account of Noah in Genesis 6, and we'll go there in just a moment. But the Bible says of Noah that he spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world, of the ungodly. This is what God describes of Noah. God delivered Noah from the judgment that the world at that day faced. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 6. Keep your place here in the book 
of Second uh, Peter chapter 2. Genesis chapter 6 tells the account of Noah and how God delivered just Noah. He's a righteous man. He's a saved man. In Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, and it repenteth me that I have made them. But, notice this, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Was Noah sinless? No. Uh, Noah was saved by grace. I, I believe the ark is a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Noah found his way to the ark, and the Bible says that he uh, preached righteousness to his generation. Noah had a personal relationship and a personal walk with God, and I think we can take that back to the blood sacrifice of Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve were offered that blood sacrifice, and it was a picture pointing to the coming Lamb of God, and they passed that information on to successive generations, and Noah has heard that gospel message of the coming shed blood of a lamb that would go to the cross and give his life for the sins of man. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God spared Noah. Uh, we go to Genesis 7, verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou, it's God's invitation, and all thy house into the ark. For thee I have seen righteous before me in this generation. And Noah was righteous. Why? Because he's believed on the name of the Lord. And so he's invited into the ark, the picture of Jesus. Noah, verse 7 of Genesis 7, went in and his sons and his wife, his son's wife with him into the ark because the waters of the flood. So God spared Noah, delivered Noah from the judgment. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And here Jesus, speaking of his return, used Noah as an illustration. In Matthew chapter 24, verse number 36, Matthew 24, verse 36, reads, But of that day and the hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But he says, As the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. They were going about normal affairs in life. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other left. I believe this is a picture of the coming rapture where God will deliver his saved, his just, and he will, just as he delivered Noah from the judgment that came upon the world, the Lord will deliver those that have truly been born again, that have truly been saved. Now, one thing that happened in Noah's day, and I can see this in our day. I see in Noah's day, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. It's evident, however, as Noah preached the word and preached the gospel and warned of coming judgment, that his generation rejected that word. Now, the Bible tells us that God is long-suffering. And many people take the long-suffering of God and they mock 
at God and they think that they get by with sin, but understand something, the wages of sin is death and no man will ever get away with rejecting Jesus Christ. Payday comes someday. Now Noah found grace because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, then we see another illustration. As we look at this, uh, uh, the illustration of Lot. Go back to 2 Peter chapter 2. Uh, the Lord is able to deliver those that belong to him. He delivered Noah. Then the Bible speaks of Lot. We read this again, verse 6. And it reads, And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example to those that after should live ungodly. Sodom and Gomorrah serves as a testimony an example to the United States of America and uh, the direction of this nation. Uh, this is a testimony of coming judgment. But the Bible says of Lot, he delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. See, God is long-suffering. Sodom was wicked, but God's spirit will not always strive with man. And the day came when God said, Lot, uh, you need to leave the city. My judgment is falling. And before judgment came, and God delivered Lot to Abraham. What a beautiful prayer. Uh, prayed for Lot, uh, prayed for just Lot. And, and I believe we have in Lot the picture of a coming rapture that God will soon judge the world. The world will then enter into the judgment, into the tribulation. Before the tribulation, however, is the rapture where God, like he delivered Lot before the judgment upon Sodom, will deliver the just. I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians for just a moment. And in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, uh, verses 13 through 18, we have the rapture. Uh, we have uh, the Lord Jesus Christ that he will ascend or descend from heaven. And uh, verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Now I think about Lot, and Lot uh, did not appear as a saved person. He's living in Sodom, but before the judgment, God delivered Lot out of Sodom. And there's coming a day the trumpet is going to sound, and God is going to deliver those that are saved out of this world and into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we go into chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. He says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. When the rapture takes place, the day of the Lord is that beginning of the tribulation, and the world will enter into that judgment. And when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden judgment or destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a womanable child, and they shall not escape. He said, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of the light, the children of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. He's speaking to his children. The Lord knows how to deliver his children from that coming judgment. He says in verse number 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's the wonderful promise that God has given. Now, for the sake of time, uh, we're, we're not going to go there tonight, but you could go to Revelation chapter 3, and you could read about the church of Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. And it's evident there that God delivered that church from the judgment, and I believe it, uh, that, that was the picture again. They would be delivered from the tribulation that would begin in Revelation chapter 4 uh, with the rapture, and that church would be delivered, their relationship with Jesus Christ. See, we can look forward as saved people to the coming rapture, to the deliverance of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says in the book of Revelation, even so, come Lord Jesus. You know, I look at, I, my world has gone crazy, hasn't it? I'm looking at, at what's happening in the world. There are things, I preached it all of my life, but over the last few years I've seen things that I just, I preached it, but you know how you preach it and think it and talk about it, and then when it comes to happen, you're kind of surprised about it. And I've been surprised at some things, but I ought not to have been surprised. I'm seeing the world just moving in a very dark direction. It's almost like the beginning of sorrows that are taking place. I'm so thankful for the promises that the Lord knows how to deliver his own. And Jesus knows those that are his, and he's able to deliver those that are his. That's his wonderful promise. Back to 2 Peter chapter number 2. We'll find here, however, that the Lord judges those that are lost. Make a couple of statements here tonight. God is holy. And a holy God must deal with sin. Mankind cannot live in sin and get by with it. Uh, you may think for a time that you get by with sin, but you don't. Payday always comes. The wages of sin is always death. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. I messed up here. I'm in the book of First Thessalonians again. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. We read, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Now there is so little fear of God today. Uh, you cannot reject salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot rebel against God without consequences. Now here the Lord sets forth His judgment and You'll notice God's judgment, the false prophets that he spoke of in the beginning of this chapter, these false prophets that lead so many souls astray. Uh, there are very sincere people, sincerely involved in things, but they're sincerely lost. They have a wrong Savior, a wrong Jesus. And the Bible is very clear, those that lead souls astray are going to face God's judgment. And uh, he speaks of that, First, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 3. He says, Through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. A payday comes. He speaks in chapter 2, verse number 4, of his judgment upon fallen angels. If God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Uh, the payday came for them. And then Noah's generation was judged. He said, and he spared not the old world, but saved Noah. And we read of that day, God said, Noah, enter into the ark thou and thy household, 
all that is with thee. And Noah entered into the ark. The Bible says that God closed the door of the ark. The rains began to descend. The waters from beneath began to rise and water upon the earth. And God judged that generation in the flood. Uh, payday came to that generation. Noah preached faithfully for 120 years, but God said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. That generation thought that they had succeeded. They laughed and mocked at Noah until the day that the ark began to float. And I think had you gone to the ark, you might have found some fingernail prints. But you see, that generation had rejected the grace that comes through Jesus. Noah's generation was judged. Chapter 2, verse number 6, Sodom and Gomorrah were judged. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example or an example to those that should live ungodly. Now God gave that generation as an illustration, as an example of his coming judgment. You notice in chapter 2, verse number 9, that the lost will be judged. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly. And who are the godly? It's those that know Jesus Christ. It's not our personal godliness or our personal righteousness, but it's the righteousness imputed unto our account through Jesus Christ. He knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations, but notice this, to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Listen tonight, God is just, He's holy, He's righteous. He's righteous in His judgments. He's always right in what He does. Many lost will live nonchalantly, thinking that they're getting by with their sin, thinking that they get by with their rejection of Jesus Christ thinking that they can mock the name of the Lord, thinking they can mock Christianity. But no, the day comes. The judgment of God falls. See, many have no concept of what it means to be lost. Lost for eternity. Lost without Jesus. Lost with no hope. I don't like to preach about hell, but hell is real. And God's judgment is real. The only escape from hell is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Later we're going to read in 2 Peter chapter 3, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There will not be one that will face God's judgment that will have an excuse. They will all be without excuse. God will be just in his judgment. He will be just in his grace. There's a couple of thoughts here tonight just in closing. The Bible makes it very clear. Make sure of your salvation. Know that you know that you're saved. That's first and foremost. Friend, if you truly are saved, if we believe that hell is real, 
and every person that you come into contact with without Jesus Christ needs a Savior. And God has given you that call to share your faith in Jesus with others. And so I would give this challenge in closing. We ought to look diligently uh, for those that need Jesus Christ. You're the light that God has given. I read just before service tonight, I want to close with this. It was a powerful testimony. There's a preacher that actually stutters and uh, has a hard time speaking. Uh, he was very shy and had struggled with even sharing his faith. He said he would try to witness to people. His knees would just begin to shake. And he asked the Lord, and his prayer was this. He said, I ask God for the impossible. He said, I ask God to help me to win others to Christ. And he said, that seemed impossible, but that was my prayer. He was traveling with another preacher, and he shared with this other preacher, I've asked the Lord to do the impossible through me. And he said, the Lord thus far has given me day by day somebody that I can witness to, somebody that I can share my faith. And he said, it's midnight now, and uh, they were driving together late to, a, to another meeting. And he said, I'm praying today God will give me somebody that I can witness to. Uh, they had to stop for gas at a convenience station, and uh, the statement was maybe this is the place. And they went in, and this preacher began to stutter, and he said to the lady at the counter, he said, ma'am, if you died right now, would you go to heaven? And you can imagine, here she is with all this, her eyes get real big, uh, thinking, do we have some robbers here that are coming along? But he's stuttering through all of this as he's, as he's sharing this, and, and long story short, she reaches down behind the counter. The other preacher said, I thought she was going to get a gun and get us right there, but she reaches behind the counter, and she pulls out a Bible, and she says, yes. I'm going to go to heaven. I've been saved. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. What they didn't know, behind them, another woman enters. And this woman says, but I don't know. And just last week, I buried my mom. And I'm here tonight because I couldn't sleep. I'm afraid if I die, I'll go to hell. And this preacher who stuttered, had the privilege right there in that convenience store to lead her to the Lord. While this woman is praying, two men walk in, and one of these men drops to his knee, and he got saved that night. He said, I asked God to do the impossible through me. That's what God can do through you if you're available to be used of him. The Lord knows those that are his. The Lord is able to deliver those that are his but the Lord will bring judgment upon the lost. And this is clearly set forth in 2 Peter. Every head bowed.